Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. The Leviathan Chronicles Season 3 The story thus far Harlequin is incapacitated within a sanctuary medical facility hidden deep within the Encore Hotel in Las Vegas. He has brought his young ward, Lizette Manzabil, to DEFCON, the largest electronic security conference in the world, to find a coder capable of defeating the computer virus infecting Leviathan. To her frustration, Lizette's computer was hacked within the first 24 hours, and she was forced to change her hair for the conference, where she endured the unwanted attention of a particularly lecherous attendee. But despite not being comfortable in the hacker culture, Lizette crashed a recruitment party for a mysterious technology company known as White Egg. There, she spied a potential candidate known only as the Summer Knight, but soon it became unclear if she was watching him or if he was watching her. And now, Chapter 40, The Aquarium Proposal. Las Vegas, Nevada. The party atmosphere at Mandalay Bay was still growing, despite the fact that the White Egg main event was over. The drunken carousing spilled out into the casino, where it merged with the gambling public with only their disparate attire to separate the revelry. The casinos were designed to remove any sense of time and disorient its patrons. This design was having its desired effect on Lizette, as she kept circling mindlessly past the blackjack, pie gal poker, roulette and craps tables, oblivious to the euphoric winners and lost in her own thoughts. Masked man? I don't even know the name of the man who I'm searching for. It's ridiculous. A summer night? White egg? Why was he staring at me? He wasn't staring at me. It was just my imagination. But still, there was something about him. Lizette's head began to hurt, and she settled on watching two drunk bridesmaids lose $700 playing Kino. She grew bored and stole $50 of chips from the woman's messy pile and discreetly reinserted them into an elderly woman's dwindling stack at a nearby Wheel of Fortune slot machine. Hope you have better luck than I did tonight. With her energy flagging, she sat down at Eye Candy Lounge in the center of the casino floor and ordered herself a Diet Coke. Do you want rum in that? No, thank you. We're a bar, sweetie. These tables are reserved for people that are drinking. I'll have rum on the side. Can I see some ID? Sorry, I left it in my room. I guess just a Diet Coke then. Lizette stared despondently at the ice cubes in her glass. Her thoughts were distracted by two men and a woman at a table beside her, discussing the lock-picking panel held earlier in the day while playing with a stainless steel master lock. Stop telling me how the woman had slender hands that looked to be ideal for lock-picking. But her movements with the picks and tumblers were decidedly amateur. One of the men laughed at the blonde as she fumbled with the picks in her hand. I was helping them. Whatever. I give up. One of you try. You should steady the lock against the table before twisting. Oh, you know your way around a set of picks? Maybe. May I try? Help yourself. I'm clearly missing something. All 
is in the wrist. Give it a try again. You need to have a feel for the tumblers. How did you do that so fast? Even the leader of the workshop didn't do it that fast. Well, they probably went slow for the purposes of the demonstration. But the faster you do it, the better. Thanks. I'm Nuala. This is Oberon, and the quiet fellow is Clerican. I'm Jeanne. You're using your real name? No. I'm guessing she means Jean d'Arc. You're quick. You're all named after members of a fairy tribe. You're quick as well. Where with the- Well, I don't think we need full introductions yet, do we? Privacy, Nuala. In the meantime, what are you drinking, Jean? Whatever you're having. Of course. Waitress, another round, please. Lisette smiled so, and Jean, chatted with the talkative Oberon and Nuala, but watched the man called Clurican out of the corner of her oh, eye. He sipped his Talisker single malt scotch thoughtfully and listened to the others. Look, I never said you could breach the network firewall yes, using you did. When Oberon and Nuala got into a spirited argument about some details of a hacking incident that Lizette couldn't follow, Clorcan moved his chair closer to Lizette's. So, what is your interest in the results of hack matches? Did you have money on the bout? You seem disappointed. Lizette looked hard at Clorcan's eyes, and suddenly everything made sense. The summer night! It was you! I didn't recognize you without your boxing costume on. Boxing is really more a side job. I watched all of your matches. You're very talented, but you allowed the last opponent to beat you. You lost on purpose. That makes you sad? No. I just hate to see a professional not perform to his best ability. You threw the match. I was instructed by my employers. The winner, Locke, won an interview with them and, from what I heard, did quite well. He'll be a strong asset to the company if he takes the offer. There's easier ways to hire people. Perhaps, but White Egg doesn't like to be seen chasing hackers, so they make the hackers win interviews with them. An efficient means of self-selection, if not a bit unconventional. I'm actually quite happy with the result. Hmm. You are celebrating your evening with considerable restraint. I have seen more energetic celebrations at a wake. Nothing gets by you, does it? Not when I pay attention, no. I'm not a big partier. An occasional drink with friends is usually all I need. So tell me, Jean, honestly, why so much interest in the bouts? Something tells me you're not at DEF CON for the panels. I'm doing some recruiting of my own. Really? Are you looking for boxers? Depends. What do you do when you get out of the ring? I'm a white hat. We all are. You're not wearing hats. You're new to this world, aren't you? White hats are hackers who use their skill to help identify and plug holes in companies' securities, firewalls, what have you. It's what we do at White Egg. Like hiring a thief to try to break into your art museum to see how secure it is? Exactly. I might know something about that then. So you're a hacker, good with computers? I work for White Egg, which means I'm good. I'm in charge of recruiting and have my own team, which means I'm more than good. What is it that you're good at, Sean? To answer him, Lizette picked up the practice padlock from where Nuala had placed it on the bar, held it in front of Clorokan's face and snapped it shut. She then put it behind her back, slipped a tool from her back pocket, deftly unlocked it, slipped the tool back and showed him the result. That was very impressive. How in the I'm world- I'm good with computers too. But right now, I'm looking for someone that is more than good. I need the best hacker at DEF CON for a job that pays 10 times the amount that White Egg would ever pay. And where is this job? It's a secret. I'm a hacker. I don't like secrets. Is there someplace else we can talk privately? Where did you have in mind? What if I said the aquarium? Why there? A test. What kind of test? I just want to see how comfortable you are being underwater. Together they walked to the far end of the Mandalay Resort, where the aquarium and shark reef were located. 
The aquarium was closed this time of night, but the entrance leading to it was a long translucent archway that allowed tourists to still see the sharks, eagle rays, moray eels and groupers as they swam by. You know, if this job is something my company could help with, I could set up an appointment for you with my bosses. They're very discreet. I need one person, not a company. You know, I can't do anything illegal. I don't do that anymore. I'm not asking you to. Well, you seem pretty secretive about it. Well, that's because... I've been wondering how to explain this to you. Actually, I've been wondering how to explain this for days. Well then, I'll start. Who are you trying to hack? No one. We're trying to save something, not destroy it. Hold, hold on a second. Who's we? I thought you were alone. I am. I mean, I, I was for a while, but we broke up many years Ho ago. Hold on. This is where I get off. Is this some sort of lover's quarrel between you and your boyfriend? What? No! Oh my god, no! What are you talking about? You just said you broke up with someone. No! Not like that! I mean, my employer and I separated. We're not lovers. Ooh, gross. We were more like business partners. We were friends. Just friends? Yes. Besides, I, uh, I don't have a boyfriend. What's your relationship with your employer now? With your... Friend. My friend is injured right now, and he needs my help. So you came to DEFCON for him. Wow. I'm guessing you go out of your way to protect your friends. I always protect my friends. Tell me what it is you need, John. I need you to help me save a city. Chloracan stopped walking, stared at Lizette, and suddenly sat down on the floor of the aquarium, cross-legged and closed his eyes. Tell me everything. Lizette's cheeks reddened as she looked to her left and right and felt acutely embarrassed by Chloracan's odd behavior. He sat motionless and seemed to be waiting for Lizette, not caring about the stares they received. Not knowing what else to do, she kneeled down on the floor next to Chloracan and proceeded to tell him about the condor lying under Lake Mead and Harlequin, her employer, getting medical treatment in a secret hospital under the Encore Casino. Chloracan's eyes remained closed as she told him of Leviathan and its location in the Marianas Trench, she explained the deadly computer virus that was destroying the city's artificial intelligence and threatening to collapse the pressure shield and kill thousands of immortals. When she was done, she sat back against the cool plexiglass of the archway, not realizing how tense her shoulders had been. Chloracan opened his eyes and stared at Lizette before nodding slowly. Do you think the fish know that they're trapped? That they're swimming in a cage? What? That's it? That's all you have to say? Do they miss swimming out in the open ocean? I wonder. It's so easy to confuse freedom with the illusion of freedom. Especially when the bars of your jail are clear and transparent. I... I never thought of it. I mean, they're just... fish. I used to be a lot more free, you know? More than I am now. White Egg once caught me doing something I wasn't supposed to do. Something bad. It held onto the evidence and kindly suggested that I come work for them instead. And they made it palatable with a generous salary, but they also made it clear that it was one of those offers I couldn't refuse. Not unless I wanted to go to jail. So I'm swimming in a really lovely fish tank right now, but sometimes I still miss the open ocean. I believe you, Jean. And I'd like to help you and your friend. What? Just like that? You believe me? I just told you an unbelievable story. I thought I'd have to do more to prove it to you. I believe you because I know one element of the story is true. And it's a rather strange tale to weave around Sanctuary. You know about Sanctuary? I told you. White Egg is a very powerful company. 
very. My employer is very powerful too. So are the people in Leviathan. They could help you become more free again. Chlorican sat back and rubbed his cheek thoughtfully. Lizette felt a mounting anxiety as she wondered if she revealed too much. Would he betray her by telling his company about her and give Leviathan another potential enemy? I do have one request in order to help you. What is it? I want to know your name. Your real name. That's all? That's all. Pass my test and I'll give it to you. What? What test? I thought this was the test. The, the underwater test. See, I, I like fishies. Do you, do you want to see how long I can hold my breath? Chlorican blew his cheeks wide like a pufferfish and looked to Lizette playfully with bulging eyes. <laughs> no, silly. This was the warm-up, not the real test. Then what's the real test? Well, my laptop was hacked when I got here. Is that all? A laptop crack? I can fix that no problem. I can get your computer running again in no time. No, that's not what I want. Although, it would be nice. No, I want you to find out who hacked it. Chlorican and Lizette hailed a cab from Mandalay Bay and returned to Lizette's hotel suite at the Encore. Hmm. Nice digs. Thanks. My friend is a generous provider. I'll say. Come on, it's over here. Lizette showed Chlorican her laptop. The computer was still frozen, showing the letters P-W-N-E-D on the display. Chlorican sat down at the desk and pushed the power button down to reboot it. As it was restarting, he interrupted the reboot so he could access the processes and break the crack. He looked at the code in front of him for a moment, and then shrugged. <sighs> Done. The guy who did this calls himself Dr. Hate. Not a particularly sophisticated attack, no offense. Sounds like a real winner. His whole manifesto is hidden within the code here. Oh, this shit is pretty twisted. Can you search for him online? I want to know who the bastard is. Sure. Let's let it finish booting up. I'll check Reddit and Slashdot and 4chan. You'll probably find him on 4chan. Ah, here it is. The Misogynist's Manifesto. That looks familiar. Oh, big fan of Dave Sim, it seems. Oh, wow. What a sweetheart. No picture, naturally, but here's some more information about him. He thinks women are evil, steal the light of men. It's him. It's who? What, what are you talking about? Never mind. That's all I need. Let's go. That's all? Seriously? You know this guy? I think I do. You have a choice, Chloriken. You can come with me, or meet me in an hour at the same bar where we met your companions. Wait, hold on. What are you thinking of doing? Do you need help? I can't do anything illegal, Jean, but I can make sure Then you no had one... better stay in the bar. I don't need any help. I'll be there in an hour. Oh, and by the way, my name is Lisette. Enchanté, Lisette. Lizette quickly exited the room after Chlorican and took a taxi back to Mandalay Bay. She knew she had a small chance of finding Dr. Haight in the huge casino, but since the White Egg Party was still going on, Lizette figured it was a perfect place to start. Before entering, Lizette placed her cell phone next to her room key and rubbed it vigorously, thus demagnetizing it. Then she headed inside for the party which now held only a handful of inebriated guests. At the far end, Dr. Haight was talking loudly at the complimentary drink cart to anyone who would listen. The female bartender had abandoned the cart in an angry fit, showing rage painted across her face. Lizette tapped the bartender on the arm. I assume happy hour is over? The drinks cart is closed, ma'am. Mr. Drunk Asshole over there has made himself king of the mountain. I'm calling security. I see. Thanks for the warning. Lizette ducked behind a couple of partiers and approached the drunken Dr. Hate from the rear. A long row of beer bottles sat atop the drink cart. She pushed on the beer at the very end, causing all the bottles to slide a few inches down the bar, making the one at the end fall onto the carpet. Whoa, party foul! 
I'll get you, little buddy. As the drunk hacker leaned over to pick up the bottle and proceed to twist the cap off, Lizette could clearly see his room key shape in his back pocket. He stood up, and when he was startled by the sudden explosion of carbonated beer in his face, Lizette picked his pocket, smoothly replacing his key for hers inside the paper slip that identified his room number. Easier than I thought, asshole. At least I didn't have to damage security cameras or sneak behind the front desk to figure out his room number. Lizette quickly headed up to the sixth floor and entered Dr. Haight's room. The inside was a shambles, with clothes and pornography scattered everywhere, along with computer equipment taking up the entirety of the second bed. Lizette briefly regretted being unable to damage his system in a more subtle way than complete destruction, but then picked up one of the desk chairs and proceeded to smash all of the equipment she saw. <laughs> She was about to bring the chair down for another blow, but stopped as something caught her eye in the closet. Huh. The wall safe. Lizette headed towards the closet and knelt next to the wall safe. Using her lockpicking skills, she had it open in an instant and laughed at what was inside. A thick roll of $20 bills, a USB key, a stack of more pornography that was much fouler than what littered the room, and a Glock 22 40 caliber pistol. For someone that hates women, you certainly like your porn, Dr. Hate. Lizette helped herself to the contents of the safe, minus the pornography, and looked out the security hole in the door. This is the most dangerous part. God knows what that sicko would do if he saw me leaving his room. She took a deep breath and opened the door, but her luck had finally run out. Dr. Haight was turning a corner in the hallway flanked by a hotel security guard. The guard had him by the upper arm and he was protesting loudly about how the world was against him. And it was all feminism's fault. Lizette hoped he would be too involved in his rant to notice her, but as the door clicked closed, his eyes fell on her. Hey! Hey! That's her! And that's my room! How the fuck did she get into my room? Miss, can you wait there a moment while we check this out? Check out nothing! Lizette took one look at the security guard and broke into a sprint, dashing for the stairwells. She wrestled past the heavy fire door and jumped down several steps at a time. The drunken hacker wasn't very fast, but the security guard was, and he was gaining on her. She opened the door to the fourth floor and tore down the hallway. An elevator was opening just as she ran by, causing Lizette to skid to a stop. She quickly jumped inside, startling the elderly lady who was desperately clutching her large plastic cup of quarters. Take it easy. Slow down. Oh, pardon. Are you speaking Spanish? Merde. Now they'll have me on security tapes and be looking for me on the casino floor. Think, Lizette. Is there anything important in my room? This is my floor, senora. Could you please move? Oui. Of course, madame. Go right ahead. Realizing the camera in the elevator would tell hotel security wherever she got off, she exited the elevator and waited for the doors to close. Then she got out her lockpicking tools and used them to pry open the elevator doors until she had access to the shaft. The doors closed behind her and she stood on the lip of the door in danger of falling into the shaft and onto the descending elevator car. The shaft was lit only by the light that leaked through each floor's door cracks. She could see the heavy, greasy cables in front of her and hear the deafening motors at the top that raised and lowered the elevator. Damn it. I wish I took Claritin's number. In my last breaking in Germany, there was a, there was a ladder in a cavity to the left. If I can just... Ah, thank goodness for international standards. A ladder was bolted to the shaft wall in a small recess. Lizette quickly climbed down on it and looked for a service access door. She found one, but it was locked. She made quick use of her tools again and took a deep breath. Please don't let security be waiting for me on the other side of this wall. 
She jammed the door open, ran out, and slammed right into Chloroquine, oh. who stood just outside the elevator. Oh, oh, whoa, 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 I got you. Are you okay? Chloroquine! That was impressive. Do you do trapeze work as well? I've always been more of a high-wire guy myself. What are you doing? I have to get out of here. The security guards are chasing Don't me. Don't worry. And... I've taken care of it already. We need to move quick. Are you ready to blow this joint? Yes. Then follow me. I know a way out of here where no one will see us. This way. Two hours later, Chloracan and Lizette entered the luxurious waiting room of Sanctuary deep below the Encore Hotel and Casino. Chloracan sat down next to Lizette, who looked exhausted, and gave her a gentle smile. So, was it worth it? Was what worth it? You broke into Dr. Hate's room, smashed his gear, and stole his stuff for revenge, didn't you? Then you almost got caught and ended up having to leave all your belongings behind in order to get away. So I repeat the question. Was the revenge worth it? How do you know all this? How did you find me? I went back to my room and hacked the security camera's feed at the Encore. And once I found you, I just followed the cameras. When you disappeared from view, I figured you were in the elevator shaft. I also shut down the elevator that had the guard chasing you, so... Uh, at that point, I got my things and came to meet you. Hacking the security feed? Isn't that illegal? I thought you didn't do that anymore. I make the occasional exception. Besides, I was interested. Lizette reached into her jeans pocket and pulled out the thumb drive. She handed it to Chloracan. Revenge is sweet, but you can tell me if it was worth it. Take it. I don't even know what's on it. Chloracan took out a small black laptop and loaded the thumb drive. He made a revolted face and pulled it out <sighs> immediately. Lizette, who had been sitting with her eyes closed, sat up and stared at him. Uh, what is it? We need to get this back to him. Why in the world would we want to do that? Because there is child pornography on this that Dr. Haight needs to go to jail for. Ugh, it's disgusting. Never mind, he has identifying information here, the idiot. It says Dr. Haight on it, but we know where his room is even if we don't know his actual name. I can have someone from Sanctuary take it to hotel security. All right, well, I guess it was worth it. So how long are we waiting here? <gasps> It's three in the morning and they'll allow visitors starting at eight. Let's just try to doze until then. At least we know we're safe here. Lizette and Chloracan settled back in the plush fabric chairs and tried to get some sleep through the wee hours of the morning. She expected to wake up with a sharp pain in her neck, but when she opened her eyes, she felt strangely refreshed. Her head rested on something soft and she suddenly realized she had nestled up against Chloracan's shoulder. He was already awake and she sat up quickly, <sighs> scrambling away from him. You looked so peaceful, I didn't want to wake you. I'm sorry. That wasn't professional. I promise, I'm uninjured. Well, it's 8 o'clock. Your employer should have received his breakfast by now. I think we can head back there. Chloracan rose up and stretched while Lizette busied herself by rubbing her face and making sure she hadn't drooled all over herself and him. They approached the door and asked the guard if they could see Harlequin. The guard made Chloracan keep his luggage in the waiting room, frisked them again for weapons, and placed blindfolds over their heads as they walked through the hall, making sure they never learned the identity of any of the other patients in Sanctuary. Finally, a door opened and she was ushered through as the blindfolds were removed. Harlequin lay in bed, looking much better than she remembered. His burns almost healed, and he was actually smiling. And then, a wonderful thing happened. Lisette. It's good to see you. Harlequin, you can speak? Lizette ran to Harlequin's side to hug him. I'm so glad. It's a wonder what they can do with stem cells, steroids, and skin grafts. I see you've brought a friend here. Harlequin, this is Chloracan. 
He has said he will help us. It's a pleasure, sir. A fey trickster. Well, looks like you've got a type, Lisette. What do you mean? Never mind. Dear Clurikin, I have the utmost faith in my ward that she has chosen well. Has she informed you of the gravity of our mission? She's explained that many lives could be at stake. More like thousands. Do you honestly think you're up to it? My company defends the most complex computer systems in the world from attack. And my company is the best at what they do. And I'm the best in my company. Such confidence. Especially when you have so far down the rabbit hole to travel. I'm not afraid of rabbit holes. When do we leave? Imminently. I'm told I'm well enough to leave today, so we should be able to depart for Leviathan later this evening. That's wonderful. Lisette, get the condor prepped for launch and plotting a course for Leviathan. No pressure, dear Clurikin, but thousands of lives are now in your capable hands. In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. On a remote island in Frigid Lake Superior, a fabricated creature birthed from the mind of a disturbed genius stalks the very people who created it. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling author Scott Sigler is a classic tale of science gone horribly wrong. Available wherever you get your podcasts. The condor streaked across the lower stratosphere a hundred miles west of Catalina Island. Lizette sat at the helm while Harlequin, still weak from his ordeals, rested in the rear cabin. Clorican sat in front with her. Wow, so lockpicking, certified pilot, cat burglar, scuba diver, and pretty good familiarity with the basics of computer cryptology. How did White Egg never recruit you? I have many deficiencies. I'm only bilingual. I should be better with first aid. I don't know how to fly a helicopter. And I'm not very good with people. You seem fine to me. Harlequin thinks I'm too impulsive. I can never do anything right. You care for him very much. How long has he been your employer? He's not. Not really. He raised me. I was his ward. He trained me in the skills he had. He wanted me to be like him. No feelings. No friends. Sounds like a pretty lonely existence. Especially if that's how you plan on spending your eternity. Like I said, we broke up many years ago, on bad terms. What made you come back to him? Lizette stared out of the cockpit window at the moonlit sky and marveled at the endless number of stars that could be seen so clearly at this altitude. We fight, but he's still my friend, and I always protect my friends. Can I ask what happened? It was a long time ago. I was young, and I disobeyed him. He didn't believe in second chances, and he abandoned me because of it. Was this another revenge situation? What makes you say that? I forget it. I don't want to talk anymore. I'm sorry. Why are you sorry? Because you are the most interesting person I've ever met. 
and I enjoy listening to you talk. Well, wait until you get to Leviathan. Immortals are much more interesting than I am. So you're not immortal? No, it was never offered to me. I'm not even sure I would accept it if it was. I've seen how immortals can get jaded and cold. I don't want that to happen. Sometimes I think that by knowing you have limited time, you are forced to make the most out of your time. The cockpit door swung open. I would beg to differ, my dear. When you are immortal, you soon come to realize that your options are limitless. You can do everything you've ever wanted, not limited by time, the loss of youthful energy, illness, or financial constraints. You can travel endlessly, have houses on the Mediterranean, in the Colorado Rockies, or the Scottish Cliffs. And if you can find someone to love during that time, well, it's unlikely. But if you do, the time together can be remarkable. Harlequin's eyes swung from Lisette to Chloricane. The young man caught the glance, while Lisette stared at the controls and didn't catch his meaningful look. As for why I didn't offer it to you, my dear, we don't typically offer the gift to those so young. You need to understand life a little more before you accept it forever. Had we not parted in such unfortunate ways, I probably would have offered it to you. Eventually. Do you know what you would have said, Lisette? No, I don't. So, Chloricin. Before I brief you on the situation in Leviathan, I think it's time we learned a little bit more about you. Why don't you start by telling us your real name and favorite Spice Girl? My name is Paul Lee, but only my aunt calls me Paul. Everyone at White Egg calls me Clurican. White Egg, White Egg. That bloody name has been driving me crazy since Las Vegas. Where do I know it from? The owners are British. They used to have a facility in Newcastle until it burned down. They feared corporate terrorism and moved the company to Santa Cruz. And you do fight viruses for a living. Among other things. Lisette, what's our ETA to Leviathan? Two hours to the trench, then we park, submerge, and wait for a Zephyr. Excellent. Now, Clurican, come join me in the rear cabin and I'll tell you what awaits you in Leviathan. Harlequin and Clurican retired to the rear of the Condor, where he showed the young hacker a holographic schematic of Leviathan City and explained the city's combination of thermic, tidal, and seismic energy sources that supported the pressure shield and powered the city's infrastructure, as well as the importance of Starstone technology. Clurican was inquisitive and grasped most of the conceptual ideas quickly, but his attention turned back to the threat at hand. Tell me everything you know about the virus. I'm afraid I can't tell you very much about it. That's one of the reasons we need you, you see. I know it's biological in nature and smart. It shifts constantly, so every time we think we have a bead on it, it escapes us. How long has the civic AI been infected? Hard to tell. A traitor named Bennu introduced the virus into the system, but we have no idea when or how long it remained dormant. I'm still trying to figure out how immortals with access to alien technology can't fix this, but somehow you... We're almost at the entry point of the trench. Lisette, take us down. Harlequin, Lizette, and Chloracan sat in the main cabin of a Zephyr shuttle that silently glided through the bathypelagic region of the Marianas Trench. Lizette quietly watched Chloracan's profile as the dark waters swallowed their vessel. He calmly looked out the window, catching glimpses of the bright flashes of bioluminescent life in the deep sea. He then turned and flashed an excited smile at Lizette. Penny for your thoughts? I just can't help but think you're taking this all too well. You look like you're actually having fun, not worried about drowning or being crushed into squid chips. <laughs> squid chips? Mm-hmm. Something I heard Harlequin say once. It's a lot to take in, I admit, but I trust you. I've got good instincts and I take comfort in that trust. I'm a thief. It's not in anyone's best interest to trust me. Harlequin does, with his life even. Can I tell you a secret? 
Secrets are my specialty. I've always wanted to see Leviathan. I feel guilty saying it, given the tragic situation, but I'm a little excited. You've never seen the city? Never. Harlequin doesn't visit often, and when you're considered a rogue citizen like him, the immortal establishment isn't going to look kindly on anyone you bring down. My one association with Leviathan is with its blackest sheep. I can hear you, you know. Tell me where I'm wrong. You're not wrong. I just wanted to make sure you knew I was eavesdropping so you don't say anything like what you really think. You wouldn't want to know. For the next few hours, the trio sat in silence with Chlorican staring eagerly out the porthole window while Lizette tried to keep her excitement from becoming apparent. Harlequin could only think of one thing. Evangeline, have I redeemed myself now? Will you apologize for accusing me falsely? Will I forgive you? Out of the darkness of the deep trench, a faint glow reached out towards the Zephyr ship slowly approaching it. Within the glow, the massive outline of the great cathedral began to take shape. Carved into the actual rock of the trench wall, the ornate spires of the underwater church soared over a hundred feet, making the tops impossible to see in the deep gloom of the frigid water. Baroque carvings of angels and saints decorated the sides of the supporting columns, and the gargantuan wooden doors over three stories high were open, allowing a tiny glimpse of the pews and altar inside the nave. Is that where we enter Leviathan? No, my dear. The cathedral is more of the ceremonial entrance. Larger vessels like ours dock through West Hangar Bay. It is spellbinding, though, isn't it? The ghostly glory of the cathedral was illuminated by carefully placed Lumiflora, but Harlequin's sad eyes could not avoid seeing the damage to the cathedral he had been forced to wreak when trying to escape with his life. The steps leading upwards were badly cracked and demolished in parts, while the great wooded doors that appeared open were actually smashed and splintered. He didn't regret doing it, but he found himself wishing there had been another way. He looked over and saw Lizette's face reflected in the ambient light, and her face, awestruck, reminded him why he had raised her from a little thief he had rescued in France mere decades earlier. Chlorican had finally lost his cool composure as well, allowing his eyes to widen as he stared. Was it like this for you, Harlequin, the first time? No, sadly. I was unconscious on the brink of death when I first came here. My first view of the city was in an infirmary room, but it never ceases to impress me, even in its current state. Is the damage to the cathedral due to the virus? No, what you see before you is the length I will go to in order to preserve my own life. When an entire city is out for your blood and you're miles under the water, one has to be a bit more determined in one's actions. Do you think they're going to let you back in? They will. I've been in contact with Leviathan through the Lockbox Messenger Group. They know that treacherous freak Bennu brought the virus into the city, and once he attacked Evangeline, I think the city understood where my alliances were placed. Still, I'm glad you managed to procure a weapon on your way here, Lisette. Would you mind terribly if I borrowed it? Lisette handed Harlequin the gun she had stolen from Dr. Haight's safe. He slipped it into his inside jacket pocket as the ship maneuvered beside the West Hangar Bay and docked within a vacant slip. Davitports raised the ship into the airlock chamber and depressurized. Where are the other ships? I'm not sure. It doesn't matter. We must get Cleric into the server room immediately, and then I have business in the med tower. I apologize that I can't give the two of you a proper introduction to the city, but if we don't hurry, I'm not certain there will be a city to introduce you to. The three of them exited the Zephyr, and were immediately greeted by two officers of the LDU Honor Guard. Harlequin. I didn't expect to see you again so soon. Ah, yes. 
I forgot that all your Leviathan Defense Unit brethren are on the lookout for Harlequin the Rogue, Harlequin the Terrorist, the one who did all those bad things to Leviathan, busted up a few streets and slept with some of your wives. What? I did. My name has been cleared and you know it. <sighs> Doesn't mean I like you being here. I've brought down the best hacker in the world who's here to combat the virus and risk his life to save our city. Wait, what? You're standing here at attention in your shiny uniform bringing up schoolyard grudges. If we can save this city, I will be delighted to spend the next decade repairing the streets I ruined and restoring the masonwork on the Great Cathedral by myself. <sighs> in the meantime, may we please pass. Thank you. Deep within the Undercity Nerve Center, exhausted computer programmers sat slumped at their desks and looked up wearily as Harlequin, Lizette, and Chlorican entered the room. Underchief Astrid Ansler showed Chlorican the mainframe and gave him a terminal to work at while explaining what they had learned about the virus. We're pretty sure that while alien technology was used in the creation of it, it was mortals that actually gave birth to this virus. So it attacks the pressure shield, life support, and power generators, essentially everything you'd need to stay alive underwater. How does it know to go for those systems? We don't know, but we can't seem to isolate it. It seems like every time you try to work in one area, another one gets worse. It's like trying to smooth the bubbles from a bumper sticker. Yes, exactly. It goes dormant and then resurrects stronger in another subsystem. I'm gonna need about an hour to study this. Is that all right? Knock yourself out. We've been trying everything we can think of. Clorcan focused his attention on the code in front of him, trying to understand both the immortal technology and the virus that infected it. Lizette and Harlequin slipped from the room. You chose well, I think. I'm not so sure. Sure about what? It's clear to anyone with sight that he's already taken with you. Have you been working on your seduction skills while I've been away? Harlequin! Of course not. And I'm sure he's not interested in me. He's just fascinated by an underwater city I brought him to. I see. Keep telling yourself that, Mon Cherie. So if you'll excuse me, I'm going to visit someone that I'm fascinated by. But... Yes? What do I do? <sighs> I don't know this city. See the sights. See them quickly, I suggest, before they flood. If someone needs help, give it to them. If you can't help, stay out of the way. I'll meet you at the Salty Squid in two hours. Salty Squid? Ask for Angus. We go way back. And for Goddess's sake, don't eat the squid chips. Harlequin thought bitterly that all he seemed to be doing lately is rushing through the streets of Leviathan. A white cylindrical building with gleaming green glass stood a few cobblestone streets away from him. At least I have use of my tongue this time. He approached the med tower and silenced the honor guard stationed outside with a withering look. I'm going to see her. If you try to stop me, I encourage you to take a look around at what I did to this city the last time someone tried. Go on in. You can't do any more harm at this point. Good man. Harlequin took a lift tube to the highest floor of the building and entered Evangeline's large, sunlit room. The doctor attending to her was an old friend of Harlequin, Dr. Nora Link, and she embraced him briefly before standing aside. When he finally saw Evangeline lying in bed, attached to life support machines with her head heavily bandaged and both eyes blackened, his heart shattered. Are you sure he's dead? Who? Benu. Of course. Why do you ask? Because if he's even just a little bit alive, I'd be more than happy to finish whatever was left of him in the most painful way possible. Can I have some time alone with him? Of course. Dr. Link left the room and Harlequin sat in a small chair next to the bed. He took Evangeline's hand and held it gently. Do you know that the light inside you, the fire that makes you, never goes out? Not when you sleep and not even when you're in a coma. You still burn so brightly, my love. 
The one thing I've tried to shed in this lifetime is regret. He once told me that an immortal can't afford regret. But when it comes to you, I am filled with nothing but. Damn you, Evangeline. You took everything away from me, but I'd give you my mortality again, my soul, my time. If only you'd awaken my love. Harlequin sat there in silence while the clock on the wall counted the time. Two hours came and went, and he didn't leave the room. The same two hours also came and went for Lisette, who felt very alone and useless in a strange city. She wandered through grand boulevards and narrow winding alleys before spotting a dusty sign of an angry squid battling a sperm whale. She entered the salty squid and sat down at a small wooden booth to wait for Harlequin. The bar wasn't overly crowded and the bartender seemed to know everyone by name. Knickknacks and memorabilia covered the walls and just within her booth hung a red wool cap signed by Jacques Cousteau, a small crystal vial of yellow perfume with a note reading from CC to AM and a pair of boxing gloves inscribed with the words sting like a bee. Lisette drank some delicious mead that came regularly to her table from the rotund but jolly barman. As more mead passed over her lips, Lisette felt more and more abandoned by Harlequin. Lisette realized she didn't know where she could find a bed in Leviathan and found herself growing sleepy and fatigued. She had been waiting for more than four hours when she was startled out of her gloom by Chloracan standing beside her booth. May I join you? Sure. <laughs> It doesn't look like Harlequin is going to. Where did he go? To see Evangeline. I suppose I shouldn't be mad at him. It's just that this isn't how I pictured my first visit to Leviathan. Well, I never pictured it, so I am pretty overwhelmed. Do, uh, do they take credit cards here? No money in Leviathan. Just order what you like. Chlorcan rose from the booth and approached the bar to order himself a scotch. Lizette watched him go, noting the same exhaustion in his shoulders that she felt. They have single malts here from, like, the last century. It's certainly an unusual bar. How does the virus look? <sighs> the situation is more grim than I thought. The immortal AI that governs the civil infrastructure uses some elements that I'm familiar with, some that I don't think many people in the world know about. So I was able to throw up some firewalls to contain the virus, but... The thing keeps constantly shifting. It learns. It mutates. I, I was able to shore up the pressure shield a little bit, but I'm going back in a while to see what I can do about water treatment. I have to be honest, Lisette. I'm not sure how much I can do. The virus is unlike anything I've ever seen. Don't say that. You've only had a few hours to work on this. You need to see more of the systems. That's just it. I don't have time to learn more of their systems. If we had more time, I might be able to map the virus progression through its mutated states, but we just don't have that kind of time. This virus is going to bring Leviathan down in a matter of days. Then buy them all the time you can. You're... All they have left, I know. No pressure, right? No, I was going to say you're someone I trust. I know you can do this. You barely know me. You didn't even interview other hackers at DEF CON. What can I say? I have good instincts. Lizette gave Chloracan a shy smile and then sat back in her booth. Um, do you want some company while programming? I mean, I don't have anywhere else to be. You know, I think I'd like that. Harlequin entered the subterranean server room quietly, not liking that he had let Lizette down. It was late, and the server room was empty except for Chlorican and Lizette. His young ward sat against the wall near the door, her head back, dozing slightly. But she awakened when he gently touched her arm. Oh, Harlequin. Has it been two hours already? Yes, I'm sorry about that. I spent more time at the Med Tower than I had planned. How is she? Unchanged. At this point, we need a miracle. 
or a star stone if McCallan can procure one. The woman leading the strike for? You have faith in her. No. I do, but I get the sense she has her hands full on the surface. How is our hacking prodigy making out? I don't know. He's been working for several hours without a break. I finally just dozed off. Clerican, what's our status? I was able to identify one string in the virus, almost like a gene or a bit of DNA. Using that, I made a complementary string of code that acts as a, a retrovirus that mirrors the firewalls that the virus is attacking. Fascinating. You're trying to infect the virus that's infecting us. Exactly. Fight biology with biology. It's distracting the virus, which means less code degradation, which means more time for the pressure shield. I've made it shift along with the virus when it mutates. It's an ugly hack, and it won't fix things in the long run, but I think I bought us some more time. How much time do you think you bought us? At the rate the virus shifts, no more than a week. I'm sorry I couldn't do more. You did plenty. It's more than anyone else was able to do. Well done. I'm going to tell Astrid and Mersin to right away. Well done, Chloroquine. Harlequin left the room, and Chloroquine wearily stood and stretched. <sighs> Lizette didn't move from her spot on the floor, exhaustion rendering her immobile. Chloroquine looked at her and smiled again before sitting down on the floor next to her, close enough for their shoulders to touch. They haven't thought to give us anywhere to sleep, have they? I expect whoever is in charge of guest services is busy repairing the cathedral or getting the evacuation ready. Can't really blame them. I guess we'll have to make our own bed together. And to Lizette's surprise, Chloracan put his head on her shoulder and sighed, dropping off to sleep nearly instantly. She wasn't cruel enough to wake him, so she shifted slightly to make herself more comfortable, and then nodded off to sleep herself. listening to the Leviathan Chronicles. The Leviathan Chronicles was written and created by Christoph Lepupka, produced by Robin Shaw, produced and musical composition by Luke Allen, directed by Nobi Nakanishi. For a full list of cast and crew, or to purchase the ad-free director's cut, go to leviathanchronicles.com. Thank you for supporting us, and thank you for listening. To discover more podcasts set in the Leviathan universe, go to leviathanaudioproductions.com or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. Leviathan Audio Production. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.